Hello and welcome back to Mid-South Moment. So we're going to do a bit of a special and different show this week. Um, while we're all hard at work uh, trying to get some special guests on the show over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a, a watch along of the 2nd of June 1985 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, and then what we're going to do, um, while I'm going through this, I'm going to answer some of your questions that you've kindly provided on Twitter. So let's um, let's go ahead straight away and get this started. So if you're looking for this show on YouTube, it's if you search for 975-0530, episode 299 of Mid-South Wrestling, obviously easy as always, you will find it. And I hit the play button in three, two, one, and here we go. So I'm just going to turn that down as we get the... Um, the always great opening to Mid-South Wrestling, the 80s, bass, etc. There we go. Just drink that in because it's so, so good. So we're going to get to our first question while um, we're waiting for this to get going. Um, I may answer it actually after the opening gambit from um, the guys. I expect to see Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce any moment. And at Irish McNeil BC, um, great Twitter handle, asked, who was, is your favourite Mid-South wrestler you've covered so far? And if they were in wrestling now, which promotion would you want to see them in and challenging who? So I would say... So far, a couple of standouts for me are Ted DiBiossi and probably Magnum TA. I think Magnum probably because I hadn't seen much of him before. I'm just going to cut in now and listen to it's actually um, Joel and Bill and Jim Ross. Wrestling. I'm Jim Ross along with Joel Watts. We'll be calling the action, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a tremendous hour in store for you. You're going to see Ted DiBiase and Dr. S.D. Williams, the Mid-South Tag Champions, go against superstar Bill Dundee and impressive newcomer Wendell Cooley. You'll also hmm. see the combination of Dirty Dutch Mantel and Tom Pritchard in action. You'll see the Mid-South TV champion, the Snowman. He's here today. Oh, but the Snowman, my favorite. Brown and Brad Armstrong in tag team competition. You'll see Private Terry Daniels against the man. The number one man in wrestling right now, according to many insiders, that's the NWA World's champion, Ric Flair. Plus, Private Terry, Terry Daniels versus Ric Flair, wow. American title in our television main event against the undefeated Nightmare. And ladies and gentlemen, also Kamala's here. Joel and, uh, should be an Wow, this sounds hour. like we a good episode a that we've got coming up here. No, no question about it, but I think one of the highlights last week was <clears throat> Skandar Akbar came out and introduced uh, a new member of Devastation Incorporated, an awesome individual. The so Brute. they're going to go to a recap uh, here, I think, time, of, of what happened Hacksaw. last week with the Brutes, um, which was when Hacksaw Jim Duggan returned from his devastating eye injury um and it's going to go and, and show that basically here so the so the brute um anyone that knows who this brute guy is please reach out because i don't know who he is and as we see on screen um jim duggan uh charges when i'm going to go back to this this answer so um magnum is one for me i think maybe because i hadn't seen much of his work and i, I kind of knew how good ted dibiossi was already but magnum for me just had it all he was so smooth in the ring um you know his work was so good he had the look he had charisma um in terms of who i'd like to see him in now as i just take a, a slight sip of water it's a difficult one if, it, if wwe wasn't such a you know um an up and down promotion my immediate reaction would be you know if i could slot magnum ta into you know maybe you know, 1987, 1988, WWE, WWF, and that would, that would be it. In terms of him now, I suppose, oh, I don't know, you could you could do something with that character, you know, anywhere. Magnum would be great in New Japan as a, you know, a solid, solid baby face, uh, and maybe even AEW. I mean, obviously, you'd have to probably um, 
tweak the character a bit and give him a bit more of an edge. But, I, you know, I think that he's so good that you could, you could plonk him down anywhere um, and he really would be fantastic. Um, the other one is Ted DiBiase. Now, clearly, obviously, he's had he had went on to have a great career in lots of different places. Um, uh, it, well, that's probably not completely true, is it? It's mainly WWF and he did some Japan work as well afterwards. Um, but I, always, I felt, having watched DiBiase in this run, that I was a little bit disappointed he didn't get a run with um, with a world championship, basically, because I feel that he, he was so good that he certainly warranted it. Um, I'm just going to jump back in to see hear what um, Jim and Joel are saying as we cut back. So we've gone to the, to the ring now, um, and we've got a match with Kamala coming up. Um, and he appears to be going up against a newcomer who has an exceptional amount of chest hair, which is uh, which is interesting. Something that I suffer with as well, but I do recommend um, Viting. Uh, Mike Samani is wearing a very, very ill-fitting white singlet, which is cut down to the belly button in an unusual unusual style. All, all in white, very much playing the babyface role here. As we go to our second question, uh, this one from Jerome Bonacel, listening in Montpellier, France. Thank you very much for your support of the show, Jerome. Um, he asks, what wrestling event did you leave the most disappointed from? I guess Jerome has obviously picked up that sometimes I can be a little bit negative. And before I answer that question, Skander Akbar has the microphone, so we're going to jump in and hear what Mr. Akbar has got to say for himself. The biggest mistake you made is when you came against doctor's orders and you returned to Mid-South. Talking about Jim Duggan. He just put a cigar in his mouth. All it takes. All it takes. He's lit the cigar. He's actually struggling to light the cigar. Not, I think it's lit now. One little accident, and that good eye of yours, you'll be an invalid. And as for Cowboy Bill Watts, I don't think Mid-South has facilities to handle two invalids. So now I make myself clear. And if I don't, you'd better heed exactly what I'm telling you, Duggan, because you'll be pushing pencils on the street corner along with Cowboy Watts and Watts, you know exactly how I feel. Do people sell pencils in street corners? Um, I was just thinking while I was listening to that, hoping and praying that um, Skandar didn't say anything particularly unpolitically correct, um, because obviously that would have been awkward for me to edit that out. But that was, I think, just about um, the right side of decency there. Um, so going back to the question as, um, as Kamala goes to work here on Mike Samani, um, what wrestling event did you leave most disappointed from? This this two that spring. I mean, there's been lots of like raw tapings and stuff in the UK that have been, you know, pretty rubbish, um, sort of a turd on toast. But I, I guess really the answer to this is it's got to be a big event where the expectations going in were were high. Um, I think the one that I did leave really disappointed from where I had big expectations was Russell and Kamala just hit the splash and that's the one, two, three and 37 seconds. So quick squash there. Um, I had really big expectations for WrestleMania 23. And I think this that, that was in a, um, that was along with um, good pal Lewis, obviously um, Mark Dopper who's on the, uh, on the podcast a lot. Um, I think that was really at the height of us really disliking John Cena. And in that, main event it was John Cena and um Shawn Michaels who we were just willing Michaels just to win and just some you know some something different some sort of change from the promotion but 
alas, it was not to be. And though it made complete sense actually watching that back, probably uh, five or six years afterwards, it's, it's a pretty solid event, WrestleMania 23. Um, but yeah, it wasn't for me. I remember just being really disappointed when we came out of there. We flew down to Las Vegas the next day, um, myself and Lewis, um, and I was ill for the first day. Um, and then I had the most chronic sunburn of my life. And I'm quite a pale gentleman. Um, and I've had many, many bouts of sunburn. Um, and that was really chronic. So there's a few pictures in the, in the dark depths of Facebook with me looking like a complete, complete enough tomato standing in Studio 54 in uh, in Las Vegas um, on night two when I've when I recovered from my dicky stomach from the day one. Um, back to the show, we got Terry Taylor with that beautiful North American title and he's defending that here against the Nightmare. So um, this is a, a rare television title defence on television. And as we see, Ric Flair is getting into the ring and he has grabbed the microphone. Let's listen in. Terry Taylor, being a North American heavyweight champion, is the number one contender for the world's heavyweight championship. As a matter of fact, I'm even a little jealous of that big silver belt you're wearing, brother. It is a lovely belt. We're going to take care of that tonight. I got $10,000, and you know what comes out of my mouth is as good as gold, brother. I've always had life the way I wanted it. What I couldn't go out and get, I bought and paid for, brother. So tonight, $10,000 to you. $10,000 to your man. Bring me home that North American heavyweight championship. <laughs> and leave this kid on his backside where he belongs. $10,000. Wow. So big stakes, this North American title match. Uh, as Eddie Gilbert's giving the nightmare a pep talk there um, and the, and Flair and uh, Gilbert get out of the ring and it's up to Taylor now. And he's looking, he's got a very serious look on his face as the referee rings the bell. Um, so let's go back to the question. Um, yeah, so that was, that 23 one was, was a big one. Um, WrestleMania 35 was, was you know, we had a great time. It was great being out there with Stu and, um, and Mark and my friend Richard who lives in New York. But again, that was, it was just like, seven hours uh it was getting cold um and it just was kind of one of those shows where if you take out um probably two and a half hours of that you probably got a you know, really good wrestling show in it and I, I just felt sorry for the ladies in the main event because they were put in an impossibly difficult position and the crowd was still somewhat into that match and they absolutely worked you know their rear ends off in that unfortunately in the end um the pinfall was botched and it's, you know, one of those things that happens, um, you know, probably to pretty much every wrestler, I'm sure, in their careers. But the place you least want that to happen is in the main event of WrestleMania. As Taylor in ring, a really impressive um, body slam on the Nightmare and a great follow-up drop kick. So um, Eddie Lewis um, from Cerritos in California, I'm not sure I pronounced that right. He asks, if you could have sat ringside for any wrestling event in history, what would it have been? Um, so the one that immediately springs to mind uh, is, you know, a bit of a yeah, classic one, WrestleMania 3. I think that would have been incredible just being in there in front of that, you know, that many people um, as the nightmare's got what looks a little bit like a, a version of the Million Dollar Dream on uh, on Taylor here. Um yeah, that would have been phenomenal. One that Mark went to, um, which is one of my two big wrestling life regrets, um, was the first ECW One Night Stand, which I, I guess would have been just a phenomenal atmosphere to be in. Um, and another one is the Ric Flair um, retirement, which Stu went to, um, and, and Mark and myself didn't, or Lewis. Um, and I remember watching that in my parents' house with Lewis. It's the first WrestleMania since WrestleMania in 2000 that we hadn't been to together. Um 
and we I think we sat and ate Hagen Dass each uh, a big big part of Hagen Dass as if we'd been dumped by a significant other that night and watched that with tears in our eyes and I couldn't believe that we we'd not gone. Um, so yeah, that was. That was a disappointing one. I'm sure there's a few other ones. I mean, being being ringside for Omega and Okada, you know, pick any of those ones. Um, you know, particularly the Dominion match that would have been phenomenal. Um, in ring, uh, the nightmare is solidly on top of Mr. Terry Taylor here, um, and he is looking in good shape here in this North American title challenge. So, um, next question: Regular co-host Dan Phillips asks. We've had many discussions, um, but for your listeners, your top five wrestlers ever versus your favourite five ever. So um, that's an interesting one because because there's you know there's two you know two parts to that. What's um what's your you know what what do you consider to be the best wrestler and what do you consider to be your favourite wrestler? I'll start with favourites. Um, I mean, there's there's three that are head and shoulders above everybody else. As, as Taylor in ring is starting to come back on the nightmare um, with some punches here, which which is uh, yeah, Taylor's bitch been shot into the ropes, body block, and he's getting one on top here. I mean, the three at the top of the list are standouts. Matchman Randy Savage was the one that I was drawn to immediately, um, and that more came from tape. So I, I started watching wrestling uh, WWF regularly after seeing bits and pieces on on ITV in the late '80s um, in what would have been 1990, just in the build-up to Summertime 90, but not long thereafter, um, we had VHS tapes available. And the first one I got, which I wore out, was Summertime 1988. And that baby phase uh, matching my Manny Savage character um, with Elizabeth, I mean, crikey, it's just the best thing ever. Um, and, and I still, to this day, their reunion at WrestleMania 7 is, for me, the best moment in wrestling history. That match... I, I don't care ultimate warrior have your views you know potentially not you know probably not a very nice human being um and not the best technical wrestler of all time but that presentation starts to finish you know that's the that's for me the best thing ever in the history of pro wrestling so yeah randy savage bret hart um you know slotted in quite nicely um sort of era wise after uh randy savage i love just how real brett was uh, you know so so such an incredible wrestler just believed in him i believe in him to this day you know i was watching um you know perhaps a, a challenge that i won't manage to complete um but i was doing it watching all of his pay-per-view matches um following up from the melts of five star thing um and just some of his early stuff is just just phenomenal some some hidden gems in there just such a great great worker and then steve austin really i credit with getting me back into it i mean i was kind of fringe watching as Taylor goes for a small package here, which he's not quite got and Nightmare kicks out too. I was kind of fringe watching WCW after that started here in the UK um, in the mid nineties, but it was really Steve Austin that got me back into it. And actually funnily enough, it wasn't the Steve Austin Bret Hart match at WrestleMania 13, um, which back then Sky was really weird in the UK and the re repeats of pay-per-views, they were cut a lot of them, the violence out. So I didn't see that match at the time. And I remember recording the King of the Ring 97 and I really hated Shawn Michaels then because really dating back from him beating Brett in that weird finish at the WrestleMania in Anaheim. Um, so Steve Austin's whole attitude against Shawn Michaels in the match really made me intrigued. And, that, and then I started following the product, you know, religiously thereafter. Um, in terms of other other favourites, uh, CM Punk is one is in there as well. Um, struggling with number five. I mean, I guess, I mean, there's people that I can think of like, you know, Kenny Omega, Osprey, I've got an affinity with because, um, you know, I remember seeing him back at York Hall as a you know, skinny youngster, basically. And I feel that, 
you know, I've, I've kind of seen a lot of his career in the in the early days, and that's someone I really like now. And Daniel Bryan, I mean, his run to the title in uh, WrestleMania 30 was, you know, phenomenal. You know, everyone loves The Rock. I, I can't say that I, I I was always The Rock was always a favourite of mine at the time, but in retrospect, um, you know, he was someone that you know was was fantastic, and he's someone that when it was basically became clear it was going to be him and Punk at the Royal Rumble in 2013. I picked to go to that one, that event rather than going to WrestleMania. So yeah, Rock's a massive, massive one for me. Um, in terms of best wrestlers ever, obviously this is going to be, this is massively subjective. Um, but I think in terms of heavyweight wrestler, uh, in terms of wrestlers, I just, I just struggle having been a fan of New Japan over the last sort of five or six years to say that anyone is better than Okada in terms of his level of work as a heavyweight wrestler that can kind of, you know, he's got the big drop kick, his timing, his selling, all of those matches, especially in the um, in the in the latter run with the title. Um, I think what is what would have been his second to last run, the long one, where yeah, he'd make whether it was Sonada or whoever it was, it was he he was in against. Um, he could make you believe in that match, uh, a bit like the Undertaker's kind of streak matches that someone was going to take. Like this was the night that it was going to be taken away. So I think he has to be in in one. Um, and then in terms of the other ones, I guess you can shuffle the deck a bit. I mean, Bret Hart is in my, certainly in my top five. I think I, I'm a firm believer that he's the best North American wrestler of all time. Um, I would say Hiroshi Tanahashi for me has got to be in there as well. I'm almost like a flashier Bret Hart. If you're not sort of familiar with his work, I can't recommend him enough. I mean, he's severely limited in terms of um, his knees, a shot and everything. And he still produces kind of outer worldly performances, uh, you know, even in his early thoughts, early thoughts with two bad knees. This match actually just, just in ring is, is continuing. Um, we're, we're nearly at the eight minute mark and this looks like quite a good, sort of back and forth encounter, which the crowd appears to be into as, as Eddie Gilbert looks on the outside. Um, I guess, I guess Flair as well is in there in terms of top five for his, you know, his body of work is, is phenomenal. Um, and then, then really in terms of other ones, I mean, you know, Will Ospreay, I mentioned in the favourites, he, he has done some stuff in, in ring that is, you know, kind of out of the outer worldly, um, Johnny Gargano is a massive favourite of mine from the last few years. Um, he's probably the one in terms of, you know, what I consider to be the best match I've ever seen live. It's probably a toss up between him and Adam Cole at that takeover in New York uh, and also Osprey versus Hiromu at um, Wrestle Kingdom 2020. Um, but I, I think the Gargano-Cole match probably just about edges it for me because that was, um, you know, that was pretty much an out-of-body experience in that live. So, yeah, lots of people in there. Omega, obviously, the stuff of Ricardo is phenomenal. Though I do think there are some, sometimes some holes in his work, particularly his, his punches, um, and maybe sometimes his forearms, you know, aren't as aren't as tight as uh, you know perhaps others are. As Nightmare goes up to the middle rope and goes for a splash, and Terry Taylor lifts his knees up, and we're approaching the nine minute mark here, one of the longest matches in um, Mid South television history, and certainly over the last eighteen months while I've been watching. Um, and the and the crowd are certainly into this as Taylor smashes the Nightmare with a boot to the midsection. And another one, big shot, and they're going backs and forth. This is really good stuff here. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Back and forth with rights. This, this, you know, this looks like a. You can imagine the yays and the boos here, but this is kind of a modern audience as Taylor sends him into the rope. Big backdrop. Um, really good stuff from Taylor here. Um, yeah. So in terms of, I'm trying to think of one other. If there's any other obvious names that I've missed there in terms of kind of best ever wrestlers. I mean, you have got people like the Dynamite Kid, I guess. Um, oh yeah, one one that's. Um, 
that I haven't mentioned, I have to mention that was, um, and there's this question about this a little bit later on, but Manami Toyota um, and that all Japan women's stuff of the early 90s, I mean, just phenomenal. Um, and talking of phenomenal, um, Taylor's hit a phenomenal forearm there, flying forearm, Tito Santana style off the ropes, and he's got, he's looking at Ric Flair, pointing at him, and he's applying the figure four leg lock in just under 10 minutes and the nightmare is reaching for the ropes, but he cannot get there. He cannot get there. The referee is distracted by Flair getting up and Eddie Gilbert's coming to the ring and he's pulling the nightmare to the ropes and the nightmare has got in the ropes at the 10 minute and 10 second mark. So, wow, he's broken out of that. Um, so, yeah, so that is, um, this This match is, is really, really good. I highly recommend people going out of their way to, to see this one because this is this is very exciting. And the referee's been distracted on the outside by Gilbert as Taylor's going for the figure four leg lock again. Um, and it looks like he's getting it. No, and the Nightmare's pushed him off. Flair's tripped Taylor. Are we going to have a title change here? This looks this looks like Terry is in big jeopardy here as the Nightmare is selling that figure four leg lock by limping. He's pulling Taylor back up to his feet and he's going for his patented pile driver. Taylor's trying to fight him off and Taylor flips him out with a backdrop. Really good work from Taylor here. And the crowd are on their feet in the background, the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Gilbert's up on the ring apron. He takes a shot and he's flipped him on into the ring. Never think that's a good tactic from a wrestler. Why flip him into the ring? That just means you've got two people to deal with. Now the referee's distracted again and the nightmare goes for a headbutt or a rake in the face in Taylor's down. One, two, three. And that is it. In 11 minutes and 16 seconds, the nightmare is the new North American heavyweight champion. I can't believe it. My voice has cracked there because I can't believe that has just happened. Um, that is unbelievable. So Moondog Rex is the new North American champion. Randy Colley, new North American champion. Wow, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe what I've just seen. So on the same day that Terry Taylor was challenging for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in the Superdome, that is, he's lost the title. I can't, I just cannot believe it. I'm, I'm really shocked. A really, really good match there. Um, yeah, I'm unbelievable in terms of a title change and not something I was expecting. And next up, we've got um, Ric Flair versus Private Terry Daniels in a match I'm very much looking forward to. But yeah, I can't, I just can't believe it. So yeah, the nightmare is the new North American title. Um, just, just incredible, really. Um, really, really big shock. Um, as we go to our next question, uh, which is from Stacey North from Luton. Um, and he asks, what's your favourite arena you've ever seen wrestling in? Um, so in terms of um, kind of favourite favorite ever arena, I think um, going to Sumo Hall in, um, in Tokyo was really special with the, the kind of Sumo box style seats. Um, that was just, you know, incredible. Um, really, really phenomenal day and everything that that just lived up to you know complete expectations um in terms of other places um levi stadium um for wrestlemania 31 um was really really phenomenal as well that was a that was a great uh, you know just a great day um just a yeah really really good really probably the last great wrestlemania i would say um and that was a you know a really phenomenal day um that was that was fantastic in terms of other ones i mean there's some, some ones that sort of stick out for me in terms of um not necessarily it was like a wonderful arena um but um place like the Astro. i'm just going to listen in because jim duggan's in ring with rick flair here let me tell you something Hacksaw duggan doesn't appreciate it and the people in mid-south don't appreciate it He's basically complaining about what's just happened to Terry Taylor there. 
Would you like me to shed a tear for all the little kids in the world that are growing up to be like Ric Flair but never will be? You want me to shed a tear because the Mid-South has a new champion? Forget it. Taylor was a loser. He couldn't handle it. And let me know, I'm not through talking. First of all, when you have the audacity to walk in the ring that I own, operate, manipulate because I'm the world champion during one of my matches, then you pay close attention. Now you see, you're already here when the doctors tell you you're not supposed to be. Your mommy tells you you're not supposed to be. All your friends, no, 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 no. All your friends tell you you're not supposed to be. And I want to make something very clear to you, Duggan. If you get in my face again, brother, you're going to have two bad eyes because you ain't nothing but a low-class Cajun redneck, brother. Hey, big shot. I don't got to take this. Oh, big shot from Duggan on Flair there. He was not happy with this. And Terry Daniels looks exasperated in the background. I'm sure he's going to be gutted that he's not going to get a chance potentially to uh, have a match with Ric Flair here. So, yeah, D T Daniels just in the background while Duggan goes to work on Flair. Big back body drop and the crowd is enjoying this. Daniels used to get out there. Daniels is kind of playing a bit of a cheerleader role here as Duggan lifts up Flair by the throat. I'm still in shock about that North American title change. Just... Um, just really, yeah, really unbelievable. I just couldn't believe that as Kamala is getting in the ring and he's attacking poor Daniels now and Skander Akbar's out there. And I think Duggan is in big, big trouble. So yeah, Duggan is fighting back on Kamala. Little little back kick from Kamala here. And uh, yes, this is, um, this is not looking good for Mr. Duggan as Ric Flair holds him back. Um, and Kamala is going to work now. He's fighting back again, actually, to be fair, but he's down, unfortunately. Duggan is down. So... Yes, uh, as Kamala goes to work. So again, and pr another pretty heavy due to that angle here on um, on Duggan um, as Akbar is holding his legs. Ric Flair is holding his his arms, and Kamala has smashed him with the big splash. So it looks like they're doing another injury angle for Jim Duggan here. Um, obviously, just a few weeks after the the. Uh, the burning of his eyes. I'm just going to look up when um, when the Kamala match took place. And Kamala is going up to the top rope here as Flair is holding Duggan again. And Duggan managed to get out of there, thankfully. Um, I mean, the person that I feel the most sorry for in all of this is um, poor Terry Daniels. I mean, he would have been on the on the run sheet backstage as Duggan has, has now recovered. So he's kind of no-sold that, that splash completely. He's got a chair on the outside and, and coming back in. Um, yeah, um, poor Terry Daniels is... Uh, is not, you know, not got his match with Ric Flair. He'd have, he'd have come back. He'd have sort of seen a blackboard back in the day with um, his and Ric Flair's name on there. Um, and he, alas, he did not get that match. So Duggan did not appear um, for a few weeks in May, but he did have a match with Kamala at the Superdome Extravaganza, which actually was on the same day that this um, this show aired. So um, next up, we've got Brickhouse and Brad Armstrong versus Vern Deaton and The Bruiser. Um, so going back to arenas, yeah, the Astrodome was really, really, you know, lovely being in there. Um, I mean, I, I do really like the feeling of being at York Hall in, um, in Bethnal Green for kind of the Rev Pro shows. But I must be honest, um, it's all flat on the floor. So it'd be much, much, much better if you had kind of a slight tier system or something in there. And Wembley Arena was always pretty good, actually, if you were in the lower, lower tier, because you could see pretty much wherever, wherever you were. And obviously, the you know, place like Madison Square Garden, you just get goosebumps 
goosebumps or goosebumps goosebumps every time you go in there i've only been lucky enough to go in there for wrestling twice but um maybe one day in the future and last but not least um in terms of bucket list stuff um the tokyo dome was you know a massive deal for me in terms of uh in terms of finally making it back to tokyo for the for the wrestle kingdom having previously gone over there for king of uh king of pro wrestling i'm just going to turn up Brickhouse's browns music while i have a quick sip of bud light which is uh what i'm enjoying this evening there we go And this entrance is working for Brickhouse because, um, you know, the crowd are big time into him. Um, and it all, I think they've got him and uh, Brad Armstrong have got different colours, but matching ring jackets, which is a nice touch. Um, so back to the questions. Um, Robbie Herrera from Torquay asks, if you could change any finish of any match in wrestling history, what would it be and why? OK, what would it be and why? Um, that's an interesting one. I think... Um, I think there's one that really stands out for me, and that is the end of the Invasion pay-per-view um, with Steve Austin and the Team WWF versus the Alliance. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't necessarily have had the had Team WWF win. Um, I think you, you probably got to have the Alliance win that somehow. Um, but the one thing for sure I'm not doing is I'm not turning the you know pretty much number one babyface maybe ever in terms of short, you know, not short term, but a few year draw in power and how over he was and, you know, how strong the wrestling business was. The last thing I'm doing is turning him heel after I'd already failed with a heel turn. I mean, I think Steve Austin was just as hot coming back from that, um, from that short heel run when he turned back um, babyface before that, um, before that match. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't have done that. I think that was, um, you know, a pretty much a travesty. I think in terms of other ones, um, it's kind of difficult. I'm sure there's, there's, you know, I probably would have made the the Royal Rumble in 2014. Daniel Bryan won um, and went on to challenge at WrestleMania. Um, but you know, we got there in the end. So again, it wasn't wasn't perhaps a perhaps a particularly um, particularly big deal. So yeah, that's the one I would go for, which is the invasion pay view is Brickhouse Brown has just won with the flying headbutt and Brown and, and Armstrong. Very impressive as always here. So uh, yeah, good stuff from them. And they are really, um, you know, starting to, to, to kind of catch fire as a, uh, as a tag team, these two, um, they would be in the uh, Superdome uh, Spectacular, going up against the Freebirds, the Fabulous Freebirds, Buddy Robertson, Michael Hayes, in a losing effort on that card. Um, I just run through the action from that um, from that event in Louisiana on that day, which drew an approximate eleven thousand people. Um, Dutch Mantel defeated Mark Reagan, the Nightmare. Um, who wasn't advertised as North American champion because it, because obviously this only aired on that day um, defeated Frankie Lane. Wendell Cooley defeated Eddie Gilbert by DQ. The Barbarian defeated Pat Rose. Bill Dundee defeated Tommy Pritchard. Um, match we've just spoken about, the fabulous Freebirds defeated Brad Armstrong on Brickhouse Brown. Uh, the Snowman with Muhammad Ali defeated Jake Roberts to retain the Mid-South Television title. And NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair defeated Terry Taylor. We also had a tag team camp, a tag team boot camp match um, with the Cobra Corps reuniting with Sergeant Slaughter and Terry Daniels, defeating the Dirty White Boys team of Len Denton and Tony Anthony. Mid-South tag team title match with Steve Williams and Ted DiBiase defeated the Rock and Roll Express. And finally, in a very satisfactory ending to the card, Jim Duggan and Kamala went to a double disqualification. So in ring, we've now got 
um, the Wrestling Observer Wrestler of the Year, 1985, The Snowman. Um, and he's in action. Uh, we've got he's got he's wearing his kind of odd tights with the high white waistband um and he is firing in i actually missed his opponent here which is uh which is bad podcasting but he's just fired in a couple of punches oh hit a body slam when he's fired in down feet first and I, I i fear for the guy really awkward looking clothesline um the gentleman he's up against is as it's fair to say not got the best physique in the world as um the snowman lifts him up for a power slam and that thankfully is it in 37 seconds and he's just about managed to get out of there probably just with two sprained ankles after that body slam directly onto his ankles which uh yeah um not the best um carlos bocanegra from alta loma california asks how was doing the five-star match challenge and what were some of your favorite finds um so the five-star match challenge for people that are unfamiliar was something i did during the very first lockdown in the uk um so, so I started kind of around March time um, in 2020. Um, I went for 60 days, basically. So I, I watched at that point every Dave Meltzer match that he'd ever rated five stars or above um, and was basically doing like three or four matches every single day because I was pretty much at home for the majority of that. Um, it was brilliant. It was great to have structure. Um, it was great getting to see some of this stuff, you know, seeing people like Barry Windham, um, I'd only seen kind of little bits of little bits of before. Um, just in ring, we've got Dutch Mantel and Tommy Pritchard. They're teaming up together for the first time. And they are going up against, um, when we finally flick over on the screen, the team of Mark Reagan, who's back in Mid-South, and Frank Lane, who's got good physique. Looks a little bit like um, Dean Malenko there, Frank Lane. Um, so, yes, going back to the Meltzer's, Challenge seeing people like Barry Windham and these kind of TV matches with Ric Flair. I think there was a long draw in there with Ric Flair that was that was really good. Obviously, seeing this that one of the I think uh, at least one of the Sting matches. There were a few four point seven five matches that uh, that snuck in there as well. So um, yeah, doing those was was fantastic. Um, there was also a lot of all Japan stuff that I'd not seen featuring you know mid south favorite um, Steve Williams was, was in there uh, you know a few times. Um, and also the, the stuff that really kind of really stands out for me is the you know the all Japan um, women's stuff as well. So I mean that was um, the getting to getting to know um, Manami Toyota um, was you know really 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 phenomenal. Um, there's some, there's also some there's also some other you know other good stuff in there from Ring of Honor and things from PWG that I hadn't I hadn't seen. Um, yeah, I mean the stuff I'm just looking back on um, some of the stuff with with. Um, Mitsuru Misawa, again, I wasn't that um, some of his battles with Kawada were, you know, phenomenal. I wasn't super familiar with some of that stuff as well. So, yeah, it was a real, tw real treat. All of that stuff is um, is available, you know, on my Twitter. Um, if you if you search back far enough, I think the um, I think the the hashtag was Meltzer Lockdown Five Star Madness. So if you if you have a look at that, you'll be able to find all of the stuff from um, from back then. But yeah, it was a real. You know, real pleasure um, going to, you know, doing that. Um, in ring, um, Tommy Pritchard just hit Mark Reagan with a really good looking back elbow um, as they are firmly on top in this match. Um, as they, though Reagan um, does land a couple of um, couple of punches um, back to uh, Mr. Pritchard here um, as it looks like Dutch Mantel is getting in there now. So um, we'll see what he can, uh, what he can do as we've seen him mainly in a voyeur role so far. So final question. Thank you very much to everyone that reached out on Twitter. Um, Eddie Johnson from Bunnell, 
Florida, I hope I've not butchered all of these um, all of these place names. If you started a promotion tomorrow and you could sign any eight wrestlers from any promotion, who would they be and why? Wow, I haven't I haven't um, sort of thought about these questions ahead of time. Just try and uh, you know answer them as naturally as possible on air. And I mean, I guess there's probably some obvious ones: Okada, Omega. That's two to start off with. Um, I quite like to have a bit of a youth movement in the promotion as well. So. Um, I would have Darby Allen and, and Jungle Boy as in my in my top four, uh, and then yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna miss someone really really obvious, and I'm gonna kick myself when I listen to this back. I mean, Osprey's got to be in there as well, so that's five. Um, it's a difficult one, only naming eight because you kind of wanna you kind of wanna build a division, so it's difficult to um, to have you know in terms of sort of female athletes as well in there because I certainly if you if you if you gave me sort of maybe 14 I could I could do probably both sides of things but I'll just stick stick with the the male roster um so what have I got five uh I mean pack would probably be in there as well I'm trying to think right I mean Roman Reigns would be a good one because obviously he's over you know big WWE exposure so I think you'd have to have Roman Reigns in there as well so that's what's that five six seven um and I'm probably missing someone. Do you know what? If I could have absolutely anybody, I would have John Cena as my number eight. Sorry, Mark. But if John Cena, if you could get John Cena to work, let's say AEW Dynamite for a year, I think you've got to have Cena, wouldn't you? I mean, then again, you might say you want, you'd have The Rock, but then I'd probably say that he's you know, more out of it than that. And Cena is. Um, if neither of those two, uh, maybe Kota Ibushi, but... Um, yeah, may, yeah, maybe Ibushi. In ring, um, Dutch Mantel has just hit his MX um, suplex, front suplex for the win. Um, and him and Tommy Pritchard are victorious in their first time of teaming together. And crikey, Dutch Mantel has got shoe baby, the, the bull whip, and he is whipping this guy now. Not Mark Reagan, the other one whose name escapes me. Frank Lane, the, um, the Dean Malenko lookalike, as Mark Reagan tries to make the save. We're just going to listen into commentaries here what they've got to say about this. Joel is exasperated. They're trying to whip Reagan now as, as the referee's trying to push um push Dutch Mantel back as Tommy Pritchard's holding him over the top rope. Um surely there's gonna be oh no, the referee's been pushed down. They're holding Reagan, and it looks like he's about to be on the receiving end of this whip as well. Uh but the snowman is out with an absolutely shocking right hand to make the save. Um, I don't know whether that oh god, and he's just stiff Pritchard right in the face as well, and he's got whipped as well now. But he's he's taken shoe baby. He's in possession of shoe baby. These shots are so bad. How is Bill Watts pushing this guy? I just don't understand it. This is just got flies in the face of everything that. You know, he stands for it. It's just, it's just crazy. And he's managed to clear the ring of the heels there. So the snowman stands loud and proud there as we get a nice shot of the Irish McNeil's Boys Club um, from the side there with uh, Dutchman's Hell retreating. So, yeah, Crikey, what a, what a show this has been as, as this um, this kind of draws to, draws to a conclusion. So June the 2nd, 1995, a new Mid-South um, North American champion, which is... Uh, which is just a bit mad, really. Like, I'm really, really surprised that um, they decided to do that because, you know, I thought that Taylor was going to be in and around that title for, you know, some time to come. But, um, yeah, real, real shocker. I did not know that was going to happen. That's that's legit. So I, I don't look ahead on these shows um, at all unless there's something, you know, particularly, you know, newsworthy or something like the Junkyard Dog going or something like that. So so I know when it is. But, yeah, I did, I did not look ahead for that. Um, we've got one more match that, um, given the running time, we're gonna, just going to listen in quickly on what the snowman's got to say about that. He's been interviewed by Joel Watts. 
Yeah, yeah, we saw it happen with dirty, dirty, dirty uh, Dutch Mantel in the old tactics that he'd be using. Let me tell you something. Dutch Mantel, don't nobody in the world play these kind of tactics no more. It ain't 19, it ain't no way. 1827, 1828, 1957, ain't nobody living back in the past. There ain't nobody going for this. Let me tell you something, boy. Ain't nobody picking cotton, tapping cotton no more, nowhere. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever pull something like that again. And let me tell you something, Dutch Mantel. Well, you got one more time to ever let me see you do it. I know you're trying to do it. This shoe, baby. I'm thinking about keeping this shoe, baby. Let me tell you something, baby. Ain't nobody. Don't ever hit a brother with no whip because let me tell you, it ain't slavery, it's 1985, sucker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those comments. <laughs> what else can you add to that, Joe? His mama, his mama must have been raised, boy, because ain't nobody sitting on the back of the bus no more. You know, I know what the ghetto mean. A lot of people know what the ghetto mean. We work real hard, and you don't beat nobody in the ring with no whip, boy. Exactly right. I, wholeheartedly agree I, with those I do too, comments. ladies and gentlemen. Those comments, we echo. So, yeah, I get you. I mean, they're not for the first time, Mid South kind of um, a racially charged angle there in terms of what that was uh, all about, really. And obviously, um, Snowman explaining that, and he sort of grew into that promo, I think, and got got a bit more um, got a bit more confident after a bit of a shaky start. And Ted DiBiase and Doctor Death, our tag team champions, are in ring, and they're going up against Superstar Bill Dundee and Wendell Cooley, who who wrestled Ric Flair um, in an unsuccessful effort last week, but um, had that great near fall with the the small package that um, the crowd really bit hard on. So there's there's really no time left here at all. So I'm I'm surprised that it's such a you know, star-studded match is going to be starting here. And actually, what's happening is Jake Roberts is down there, the Barbarian's down there, and I don't think we're going to get this match. So what is Jake doing? Is Jake asking for the microphone? I know they said last week in commentary that Jake and the Barbarian wanted the tag title match, which was obviously unusual with the heels. But here we go. Let's see it with Jake. Your heels, all right? What it's got to do with, Ted, is that this business is about money. You happen to be the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. And all I'm doing, Ted, is telling you, since you're the champion, you got to take a challenge, and the challenge is coming from us. So why not? Now, I know these guys are great athletes, Teddy, but why don't you just put the titles up on the line and try us on the side? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Robert. So who do you think you are to come slithering out here with this great big muscle head to back you up, demanding anything of the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. You're a weasel. Back off, <laughs> musclehead. Let me tell you something. The bottom line is this, Jake Roberts. Hit the back of the line. The line forms at the rear. We waited six months to get these belts. Who do you think you are coming out here and making any demands? Teddy, you know me better than anybody else, and I've always told you, my man, I don't like long lines. Wow, and the, I think this is a babyface turn here as um, Jake Roberts and the Barbarian are going after um, Ted DiBiase and uh, and um, Doctor Steve Williams, the tag team champions here. I, I think this is a this is a face turn here. Yeah, I think um, I think we've just seen the 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 Jake with Jake Roberts and uh, I don't know why I'm stuttering so much here, but yeah, I think we've just seen the, the Barbarian and Jake Roberts turn. Uh, and the crowd was big time into this attack, and this is this what look, this looks to be what's closing out the closing out the show here. Um, crikey, that's you know this is a very newsworthy show, and um, we've obviously we talked about the North American title change um, and this um, this seemingly babyface turn, and um, this is quite a back and forth 
sort of brawl here is um, Dr. Death, Steve Williams and Jake are kind of going back and forth and Barbarian and Ted DiBiossi are trading shots as well. We're just going to listen to what the commentators have got to say about this for, for the last few seconds. They're all out here. Everybody make sure that snowman one thing. He's an open ignorant man and he's talking about 1957, 18... Dutch Mantel on the thing now. It's going to be a lot worse than that when we meet up again, buddy. Because nobody takes my whip from me and nobody... So Dutch is unhappy about his whip as the guys are still fighting in the ring. So again, you know, echoes of, you know, WCW Nitro in the early days where so much stuff is going on, it's almost a little bit difficult to, to keep up with it. But, you know, again, this this promotion is in good shape in, in mid-1975. This has been another really, really exciting episode. Um, you know, we got the turn here from these guys. we got a new North American champion. Flair was on the show again. Let's listen to the end. Right here next week for Joel Watson, Boyd Pierce. I'm Jim Ross. Thanks so long, everybody. So next week, we've got Bill Watts. Bill Watts is back in action next week on Mid-South Wrestling. Thank you for everyone that's put a question in. Um, and thank you very much for listening, as always. And we are working very, very hard in the background to get some special guests on. And you'll know if we don't have a special guest next week, then we have failed. Speak to you all again very, very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid-south moments.